Hello, and welcome to another episode of the All Walks of Art podcast. This is episode 18. I'm joined with my buddy, Paul. How are you, buddy? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic for somebody who keeps getting woke up by people that drive down my lane for no apparent reason, but we'll get into that later. Today, I want to talk about a couple of things that are really important. Um, one is getting started as an artist, and this is a creative thing. This is not, you know... Um, not necessarily your first day you wake up one day and say i want to be an artist but we'll get into that uh i want to talk a little bit about copies who owns the copy if you copy something or if you find a duplicate of something else uh you know it's just a topic it, uh da vinci comes up in this one so it's it's kind of cool um getting enough sleep i think both of us are sleep deprived today Yes. Which ought to be good. I'm actually drinking coffee for the first time in a long time, and uh, I need it. But uh, studies have shown that artists uh, don't sleep well, and sometimes they they need their sleep and and things like that. And uh, as I'm sitting here listening, I'm kind of wondering if my dog needs to get some sleep. I can hear him out there whining. I don't know if you can hear him in the recording, but that's all right. Let's uh, let's get started. How was your How was your day today? Today? Yeah. It's all right. I'm eventful. Just got some stuff ready. Woke up, but ooh, uh, ooh. I uh, didn't get much sleep last night either. Yeah. So got to got to head to Columbus here after the old podcast. So what are we drinking here today? Do you know? Do you know what to say? It's a decanter. And yeah, you can't tell. There's no yeah. name on it. So I you told us, me what it was. So I bought us something um, a couple of weeks ago, and actually, I was going to hit it uh, the last time we were recording. It's a uh, Jim Beam Devil's Cut. Mm, Mila Kunis. Yeah. <laughs> Mila. I, I love yes. her. She makes me feel devilish. Um, I want to try this. I'm actually this, excited. This is pretty this. cool. They, uh, I don't want to give you a big spiel on it. I'm not trying to sell it or anything. But uh, apparently they have figured out a way to extract whiskey back out of the barrel that gets absorbed into the wood. Right? So there's – let me explain this. We normally get wood – or a whiskey that's just poured out of the barrel, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's some that evaporates over time. And that is the, the evaporated amount is called the angel share. So the part that gets trapped in the wood, which from what I understand, could be like five gallons, which seems awful high to me. So that's, I'm probably yeah. wrong. We need to do uh, some research on this. I, I do. I, let's I, drive down the. Let's just drive down. Do this remotely at the Jim Beam. That would be great. I'll call Fred No, and we'll see uh, see what he has to say about it. Yeah. So for the folks who don't know about that either, Fred No is the master distiller at Jim Beam. Oh, cool. He is not a Beam, although he is related to the Beams. That's a whole nother. Podcast I've learned a lot right already. There. This is great. So, but anyway, this uh, this is some good stuff. It's got a little bit more of a charred oaky flavor. It uh, brings out the evil in me. So let's see what happens. Um, I'm going to give you just a taste, and then you can decide. You can decide if you want more. So well, I was going to say, just give me a finger, and you did that about perfect. You are, uh... boy. It's it's. Have, uh... have you noticed that my other decanter's gone? No. Did you see the mess on the floor? Here's a little tip for everybody oh. at home. Looks like I spilled paint, doesn't it? Yeah, what the hell? That was gin. I had gin and the other little... Remember the one... For for listeners who've been listening for a while, I, I was really bragging about what my wife got me for Christmas. Yes. I dropped it. I had it a brand new oh, I, as soon God. as I filled it. I mean, literally. I filled it, walked in here to put it up on the shelf, and 
I dropped it. Shattered it in a million pieces? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I oh. found a few pieces of my feet already. Um, Damn it. It hurts real bad. But uh, the weird thing is we woke up to, after I cleaned, I did clean it. I didn't leave it sit, right? Yeah. I wiped it down. And it didn't look like this when you went to bed? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I, I was really hopeful that it wouldn't look as bad. Like maybe once it dried, it'd be okay. But uh, as I was cleaning it, I was noticing that the wood was changing color. So we hurried up and got some um, industrial cleaner, cleaned the floor around it. The floor around it looks fantastic compared to the rest of it. And uh, yeah, it pulled the varnish. It bleached the wood. So um, I did some, as the nerd in me, right. I, I did the same thing. I tried it with bourbon. I poured a little bit of bourbon on the ground and on the floor. And I was like, well, that didn't stain it. So here, let's put a drop of rum. That didn't do it. Vodka didn't do it. I was perplexed. So I got the tequila. Tequila tears up everything. I'll go get tequila. So I poured some tequila on the ground. That was, that that didn't do it. So I looked at the scotch bottle and said, no, I'm not going to pour that out, but it probably won't do it either. Huh. So if anybody knows, you know, and you, you've dropped, I won't, I won't waste scotch. I can't do it. I just, just can't, can't bring myself to it. But anyway, yeah, I made a mess. So I'm guessing this is my theory. I haven't really tested this any and haven't done any scientific research on this, but I was thinking as a painter, most of our, um, like turpenoid or your turpentine, you know, the stuff you use to, to cut oils and thin paints, um, that's made from pine sap. Right? Okay. Yeah. Well, gin is made with juniper. So, I'm wondering if there's a little bit of the same properties of paint stripper in gin that you have with, you know, your paint thinners. Looks like you've thrown white paint on the floor. It sure does. I'm I'm not going to get the deposit back on that one. <laughs> well, I bet an area rug. <laughs> right. We'll just hurry and get out of here and you won't notice. No. I'm, I'm going to try a few uh, restoration things that uh, I've read online about how you do it. Other people have done this. I didn't realize it was even a thing. All my years of drinking. I had no idea that gin would tear up a wood floor. Wow. Yeah. So anybody listening, you know, just be careful. Learn something new. Don't let your drunk buddies walk around with gin. I did did something very disappointing to you. Well, it will be very disappointing to you. I'll tell you after we take a drink of this. Take a drink. I want to, I want to, as, as I go on here a little bit, um, I'm anxious to see what you think. Paul takes a drink and he has that, that, (laughs) oh man. Wow. Yeah. It hit him. Now, see, I, uh, I'm not going to say. Initially, there's like no, <laughs> there's like nothing there. And then bam. Yeah. It's like Lucifer kicks you in the nuts. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, I can't do that. Really? Now, see, I can't. What this, was the other one? We had a regular Jim Beam and I liked it. And there, yeah, was it was just a white label. Regular white label, label Jim Beam. Yeah. Um, I might need ice for that, I think, maybe, if that, but still. Yeah. I don't hate this, but. Uh, it's got some bite, right? Yeah, and then like the after, like some of those that lingers and it sucks, but this, the after is great. It's you can just cut that, it with a little bit of your water. That I mean, I, I know there's there might be somebody listening going, did he just say add water to that? Yes, I did. In fact, we should probably <laughs> do that. I wish I could grab another glass up there behind you, Paul. I want you to try this. Um, that way you don't have to contaminate the, 
the the whiskey you got in your glass now, I would I would recommend take a take a cap of your water. Yeah, one cap. And I promise for everybody listening, we are going to get into into art, but right now it's the art of drinking. So I, I want to just share this because a lot of people don't realize this. So he's putting a cap of water in his different rocks glass. And then you want me to pour this into that? No, take take a little bit of your whiskey out of your glass. Uh, roughly the same amount. That way it's like a 50-50. Um, and, you know, yes, it dilutes it. I get that. But I'm, I'm anxious to see what kind of flavors you get out of it. Because you're, you're going to, I think you'll be able to taste a lot more of the different flavors. Because the burn kind of goes away and you, you get an opportunity yeah, to taste no it. Yeah, there's no burn there. Yeah. And it is very oaky. Yeah. Yeah. It helps. It opens it up, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, not bad. Now, I know that sounds really crazy to some people. Uh <sighs> Frank Sinatra was known to drink his Jack Daniels watered down. Um, he, he liked it that way. And who's going to argue with Frank, right? Um, I I uh, I took a drinking thing. Uh, a drinking thing. Use your yeah, words, Mike. I'm trying to trying to find something better to say. It was basically a master distiller got, got up and gave us a taste test. It was, it was a whiskey tasting. That's what it was. Um, a taste test of everything, and and basically said, you know, this this is uh, a four year old, this is an eight year old, nine year old, you know, on up to twenty five year old uh, scotch. And I remember when he got to the twenty five year old scotch, and he asked people to put a cap of water in one ounce of uh, the scotch. I mean, you could hear people in the room just kind of gasp, like they were like they wanted to beat the hell out of the guy, right? And I have to admit, I was kind of like, really? It's a it's a 25-year-old scotch. Why would I add water? You know, this I want to drink this neat. Uh, but we tasted it first without uh water and then followed up with just a, a shot, a, a little bit of water in it. And it was amazing how many different flavors. I, I actually noticed uh some fruitiness to it, uh the oakiness and the peat uh flavor that you get out of a lot of scotch and stuff. So yeah, it was kind of cool. It, I mean it's it's art to mm-hmm. me. It's it's real creative. Somebody really took the time to make that recipe and all that, but it's not bad. Like afterwards, it's like it's good. Like, yeah, I really. Yeah, it's the opposite with a lot of different. It, it is alcohols like that it is. for me. I um, had I had uh, I went and saw a group called Walk Off the Earth uh, last Wednesday. Oh really? Yeah, very good. Really, um, lot into their production. They uh, use a lot of weird instruments to make music. It was a really good time. Um, Walk off the earth. Have you told me about them before? I probably have. I think you did. You should check them out. They're a Canadian group. Uh, they're uh, they're kind of YouTube kind of stars, mm-hmm. and uh, they're starting to do some of their originals. I'm I'm about fifty fifty on their originals. There's a couple I like, but they're really known for their covers. And like one of their big breakout videos was them doing uh, uh, someone I used to know by was it Guillote. Yeah. Um, and they do it all on the same guitar. There's one guitar, and they're all playing different parts on it. Oh wow, it's pretty cool. It is neat. They, they do they do weird stuff like that. But while I was at the concert, it was up at the casino in Columbus. Yeah, I'd never been to that room before. The Hollywood Casino. Yeah, and they got a it's like a big like a conference room with a stage in it. It, it carpeted. It was it was just odd. The whole vibe was odd, but uh, really fun show. But uh, I decided to try White Claw, and uh, <laughs> oh. 
You are a white girl. <laughs> yeah, the call is the law, baby. It's like I seen all these memes. I thought, well, I'll try it, and uh, they had uh, the lime, the lime white call. Yeah, in the in the white can. Yeah, and I uh, uh, yeah, it was not good. It, <laughs> as a matter of fact, I posted on a a uh, one of the the groups that I belong to on Facebook. I. That is a kind of the cheap beer patrol is a thing yeah. that one of my metalhead buddies does. And <laughs> and uh, I said, well, I said, I tried a white call today, lime white call. It tasted like a 45-day-old Sprite that oh, had been yes. used by a douche. Yes. <laughs> it's like used used douche water. <laughs> Lisa, my wife, she she wanted to experience some of that one time. We were going through the drive-thru, and she was asking people about it. She'd seen some ads for it and wanted it, and... So naturally, I wanted to taste it when we got home. Marketing works, man. Marketing yeah, yeah. works. I mean, that yeah, was all marketing. totally marketing. Yeah, viral yeah. marketing and the ads and and just word of mouth and everything. I had to try one. Yeah, they got my eight dollars or whatever the hell it was. It was expensive. Yeah, wow, eight dollars. Well, they got my ex wife's eight dollars because she went with me <laughs> and she bought it, and then she was upset when I threw it away. She's like, oh, "You threw away my eight dollars." I said, "Well, you weren't gonna drink it, was it?" She's she's a Miller Lite girl, so that's another oh. story. Well, let's get started on let's the topics. Um, the and I know it was that was a long, long introduction. So hopefully they're you're, used to our long. They they are. I'm I'm hoping that they got you in the the swing of things. And welcome to We're my lounge mood. atmosphere. Yeah. And you know whatever you're drinking. So <laughs> if you are drinking, make sure you drop us a line. You know, get a hold of us somehow. Let us know that this is what you like to drink when you're on the listening to the show. And I'm a sellout. If somebody wants to sponsor us. I'll drink it on, even though I'm not a drinker. I'll drink it. Oh, absolutely. On the show, and, and absolutely, we'll get you an address and stuff. Yeah. And just get a hold of us, and we'll we'll get you an address. Send us you alcohol, send and I'll tell you what I think. <laughs> I'm probably not going to like it, but I'm not a big drinker, so we have to change the name of the show to Art of the Drink or something. <laughs> I think it's already taken, so hopefully, I don't get sued. But uh, you know, getting started as an artist, that was something that I really wanted to put out here because it it it's a dual meaning. You know, I'm not saying that. And I kind of am saying if, uh, obviously if you're listening to the show, you're probably already an artist, right? You know, and I think most of us don't even know the day we decided to just do it, right? We just, just go with it, you know? And I wrote an article yesterday in my weekend, uh, topic that I think we strive for perfection too much and we don't get started. You know, we let our day go by. We let everything in our world kind of bring us down. And we decide, nah, I'm not going to make art today. It'll just be this or that. And, you know, the grass needs mode and all the stuff. I, I know I've talked about this type of thing a few times. But, you know, perfect perfect isn't necessarily the goal. You know, it, it's one of those things where I think you just need to get started. You need to take the effort to get started. I, I personally find that whenever... I'm in a slump and I'm, I'm finally working out of my slump. Uh, I just need to do something. I need to force it, you know, so to speak. And some people say, don't force it because it's art. You know, you can't force art. And yeah, you can. I think you can. I think, I think once you get your, your brain working correctly and doing the things you enjoy, all that shit in your life that's preventing you or making you procrastinate is it kind of goes away. Yeah. I, I'm really good at, once I, I mean, even just sitting in the studio, a lot of times for me is therapy enough to forget all the crap 
that's going on or the, I don't want to say crap always, because sometimes it's just responsibilities and stuff, but, um, the excess of life. Yeah. 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 Shout out. Exactly. You got to stop feeling like me personally. I, I always, I get defeated real bad. If I set my alarm for a certain time, knowing I need a certain amount of time to get everything done. If I wake up 15 minutes late, sometimes that's enough to ruin my day. Right. Where I just, I don't have time to get in the studio. I ain't going to do it. You know, I turn into a little bitch about the whole thing. It's like, it's 15 minutes, you know, just, I set aside three hours every single day to make art. And that's, that's kind of how that goes. But what do you think about that? Is it, well, for you, if it's, you know, like you say, it's, everything's got to be perfect. If you go by that standard, then you don't leave yourself any room to, to create things. That's like, if you're worried about the, well, the light is great in here at five o'clock and it's got to be perfect. And sometimes it's good just to get a notepad out and use a pen maybe oh, yeah. and, and just create something. And it's the same way with me and music. And, and I think, I think this has kind of been a double edged sword where technology has, uh, has become so, uh, affordable to do very good, um, professional sounding recordings. Yeah. Um, I find myself and I, and I know others, friends of mine that get, get in that same trap. It's like, it's like, okay, well, I got this equipment and I can do that. Everything's gotta be perfect. Well, this is not working right. I can't get this sound. Sometimes you just need to take your cell phone out and put it on voice memo and record a few riffs into it and see what happens. And you know, you gotta make the technology work for you. And it's the same way with lighting or, or whatever the conditions are very rarely actually ever going to be perfect you're always going to be you're always going to be behind the gun either right. on time or you're not going to have the right colors if you're painting yeah. the light's not going to be perfect everything yeah. very rarely does it all come together perfectly exactly. so and it's the same way with i think a lot of uh you know if you're a dancer uh many days i'm sure they get up and their their foot hurts or yeah. you know they're tired or this and that but you know they got to work on their craft i mean exactly. things things aren't going to be perfect if you're cooking it's you know well these this lettuce and isn't, isn't exactly perfect yes. you're not yeah. going to just stop doing it because you got one leaf that is a little less exactly. green than the rest so. so a successful artist in your mind in my mind based on what you were just saying makes me think that a successful artist needs to be flexible. They need to understand that, you know, that's the challenge. Things change your perspective and it's our responsibility as artists, not only stay in your genre and stay in, stay in your style, but to learn how to be flexible with that challenge of everyday changes. Yeah. You know, we're all, I think, I think that the one thing that connects us all, we are all very vibe and oriented. Yeah. It's all about the vibe and I don't care what medium, you're doing. I don't. Absolutely. I don't care if you're if you're drafting architecture or you're writing symphonies. All this. It's very. You get up. It, there's just a, a vibe, and it affects more people. It affects some people more than others, maybe. And I think a guy like me, if my vibe gets interrupted, and just like you say, you get in there and and you're 15 minutes uh, late, yeah. it just it throws your whole day off and. Like you say you got to try to find ways and tools to fight through that. And if I've been real bad about that, if if my vibe gets disturbed, I'm well, fuck yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. You know, so exactly. It's so easy to do. Because, it is. You know, you're, um, 
I think all of us are, we have a little bit of a perfectionist mentality. We see the end result before people see it. You know, we know where we want it to go because it's our vision, right? And very rarely are, are we ever, no, oh, that's perfect. That's exactly, exactly the way I want it. And it's never right. I right. mean, when you're, when you're totally done, it's never perfect. No yep. way, shape or form. So it's almost like we're killing our own creativity at the beginning because we, we think we need to be perfect. We know what we want it to look like or sound like or be like or whatever. And that perfectionism kind of gets in the way. And that, that makes me think of um, a lot of different tools and techniques that are used in manufacturing that we, we've both been experienced uh, or exposed to, I should say, that, you know, it's a continuous improvement thing. You know, getting started is better than being perfect. Yeah. And if, even if you can get 80% of the goal, which is often what we're looking for. Sorry, folks. I'm, I got a little gnat flying around my thing. So I'm, I'm my, my thing, duh, my mic. So I'm, I'm kind of. And my I, mic is currently flailing his arms out here. At, yeah. At yeah. Invisible things. So it's driving me crazy. But anyway, uh, continuous improvement. If 80% of the goal is met a lot of times in, in production environments, that's good enough, you know, and it's hard to quantify that hmm. as an artist. That's interesting. I never really looked at it like that. That's yeah, I mean, when you when you look at it, like our reports at work, a lot of times it's always you know the the goal is eighty percent. You know, they look at the tack times, all these things. I don't right. want to get into all that here, but um, you you start you start realizing that you're you're never going to be perfect. You just keep raising the bar, you keep raising the standard, right? Right. So getting started. For everyone, whether you're a new artist, whether you're an, a seasoned artist or whatever, and you're not getting started enough, maybe it's hard for you to get in the studio now. Maybe you're you're frustrated with things. Uh, this this is some of the stuff I worked out over the last couple of weeks where I've been really in a bad place artistically. I realized that everything I paint doesn't have to be the Mona Lisa. Everything that I produce on these podcasts, they don't have to be the Joe Rogan experience. You know, not saying he's perfect, but that's kind of the goal. That's where I want to right. be. I want these things to be a lot more conversational. So I, I get frustrated when they're not. If I have to, you know, push it and and say to myself, well, I don't compare to others. Well, that's fine. I don't want to be like everybody else. And that's the whole thing with this podcast. I know people listening to this right now, they they know that this is not like all the other art podcasts. We we get we drift. We go off on different right. topics. But we're 80% of the way there. 80% of the coverage in this video or this uh, podcast is is art related. And I have a goal of where I want to go with it. And, uh, you know, last episode was Mike Gets Therapy. And, and that was true. You know, it was talking this stuff out. A lot of times for me is therapy. And, uh, well, you know, we're you, all, we're all going through these same things. You oh, know, yeah, absolutely. Everybody. Yeah. And if you're listening to this and, and it feels like therapy, then great. This is what I want. I, I don't want to be Dr. Phil, obviously. I don't really like him that much, but, uh, not a real doctor either. No, he's not. He's an Oprah appointed doctor, I think. Yeah. I shouldn't, shouldn't be mean. I like Oprah though. But, Save you know, us money. you're back on, you know, you, when you think about the 80% thing and you, you start forcing yourself to understand that, there never will be perfection. You can strive for it. You keep raising the bar. That 80% goal doesn't need to be 85 tomorrow. It just means your standard needs to go up. Mm -hmm. 
you keep getting 80% of your goal, you keep raising the standard. You'll never be 100%. Once you realize that, once you adhere to that, it's not a cop-out. I'm not sitting here saying, well, it's okay to be crap. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it's okay to let yourself breathe a little bit because you are your own worst critic. And you're going to look at your work and say it's never good enough. But there are other people who are going to look at it and go, wow, that's, that's impressive. It speaks to me. You know, it's weird to think about that. Sometimes your worst, your worst, uh, uh, product that you've created as an artist is somebody's benchmark for what they uh, yes. strive to be. Yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy. And art's so subjective. It really doesn't even matter. Right. I mean, we all know you can make crap and do well at it. Right. Um, uh, this is probably an unpopular opinion. Uh, I'm going to say it anyway. There's a, I'm not, I don't want to go into great detail with the specifics of this, but there's a, there's a modern art movement in Detroit right now that really slapped me in the face this week. Uh, I typically watch the news around four in the morning and it got national coverage. It was a feel good story. You know, they, they got done talking about the hurricane and all the political crap that we go through in this country. And then they decided, okay, it's time for that, that typical daily feel good story. And they talked about a, an artist in Detroit who, uh, watched his neighborhood kind of decay people moving out. Obviously it's Detroit. You know, it's, we all know it's, it, it's, it's a bad environment, you know, for a lot of people. But he was keeping their belongings that were left behind. And he put them out in the out in the lawns of these old homes that were torn down and torn down. And uh, it was like, to me, it looked like a junkyard of old things. You know, tennis shoes, old toys, things that people just left behind because they were evicted or uh, their home was foreclosed on or whatever, and they just up and left and didn't take it with them. But over the years, this has turned into a organization, a nonprofit, a movement. It's supported by the National Endowment for the Arts and some other big money organizations that, you know, do their thing. And yeah, part of me was jealous. It's like, why, why is, why don't I have a movement supporting me? Right. You know, why, why can't I just walk up to somebody and go, Hey, I'm, I'm creating content for people and I should get money for it. Um, and there, there was a little bit of jealousy there because I still think it's crap. It was very subjective in my mind that one person's junk is another person's treasure. And he's turned this treasure into his art form where now there's a, 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 opportunity for him to show in like the museum of modern art here and there. And, hmm. uh, it's just, it's crazy. Cause there's no art there. It's like he takes the junk and lays it out. And I guess it's a million dollar industry in Detroit. People come there just to look at it. And, and I don't get it. I really don't. Now, I mean, I apologize if somebody's listening to this and they think I'm an asshole about this, but I don't have to look it, at, it look feels like the emperor's new clothes to me. And right. that's what a lot of art does to me. I sit there and look at it and go, nobody wants to tell this person how, how bad it is and how it's not art because they don't want to, they don't want to say something negative to the powers that be. 
he's arranging this in a certain way or something, or he's just throwing, I don't understand. Dude, it'd be like me taking everything out of my basement right now and just throwing it in the front yard and saying, this is Appalachia. It'd be no different. Hmm. And I don't want to go, I don't want to go there really, but <laughs> it's kind of like, what? Seriously? You know, yeah, it's a time gone. People forgot shit. People left shit. People, you know, had shit. There they go. Which leads me to. I can see that being kind of interesting. It, but it, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but it's still junk. I, I don't feel like. Right. I mean, we got a, we got a junkyard, uh, a salvage yard <laughs> just down the highway from here. I can see it out my window. He's not getting any money. In fact, he pays for a lot of the junk cars to haul them away and takes the parts and. Hopefully somebody will come in and need a alternator from a 1969 Cadillac. You right. know, I understand these things, but it just bothers me that that's what we've come to. So, and it bothers me in a way, I need to say it this way. It bothers me in a way that some of us strive for perfection that we'll never see, but yet that is the bar. So you need to start thinking for yourself, where's your bar set? I'm not wanting you to lower your bar. That's not where I'm going with this. I don't want your music to sound like Nickelback. I just don't. <laughs> I kind of wish it did. They sell a lot of records, Simon's. They're just known. That's all there is. Here yeah. goes. Here okay. we go. Nickelback. No, I was wondering when that was coming up. I had to say it. For the, for the longtime listeners, you, you probably giggled a little bit. There is the Nickelback. You know, but anyway. And this guy in Detroit's the Jackson Pollock of arranging furniture is what you're saying. Yeah, even I think Jackson Pollock would be pissed off. I really do. I think he'd look at it and go, really? I I, I put I put paint on canvas. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What I'm getting at, it, it is subjective. You have to go with that and say it's it's subjective. You know, you just, you raise your own bar. You set the bar. Continuous improvement says raise it. Every time you get a little bit better, like an athlete, you just, each day is a little better than the last. Ultimately, we're only in competition with ourselves. Exactly. So as an artist, just, just do it. So I think we've kind of spent a lot more time on this particular topic than I really wanted to, but, um, well, you brought it up, Mike. So, well, I know, I know, but it was something I I actually, I actually struggled with topics today. I thought to myself, what am I going to do? Because I, I'm having a really hard time finding topics, and you know, and it's just funny. Ten minutes before you showed up here, I put these topics on 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 here and said, "Let's talk about this." But uh, I I did look in the news today, and Da Vinci may have painted another Mona Lisa. And when you say that, you mean like the same the same exact style, the same woman, the same thing, the sa- the exact same. Woman, but like in a different, uh, different angle. Nope. Or nope. Same, same everything. Same pose. Um, it looks. Can you do that? Can you paint the same thing twice? Oh, absolutely. And it's the same thing. Yeah, I've thrown away some things that look just like the others. <laughs> um, I'm gonna let you see this because I, th- I think it's important. This, this is the copy that was found. It looks just like her. I think it's actually better. Background's different, ain't? It? No, it's the same. Um, maybe he just look, uh, maybe look. he just used a laser printer and just printed off the- <laughs> right. Um, it's called the I'm going to say the Isleworth Mona Lisa. Um, 
Can we ask her? I don't know, but some of you know that you know, like the Sal- Salvatore Monday uh, Monday painting uh, was hotly contested by uh, a lot of scholars for a Leonardo da Vinci painting. Some people don't think it's his. Some people say it is. Uh, da Vinci style, just so I can bring people up to speed, if you're not familiar, he's he's uh, got an uncanny ability of of making the paint not have brush strokes, which really wasn't common in his time so uh he worked it i mean really worked the painting it, it was it was almost like he had ocd for for brush strokes yeah um may have and he may have yes uh the painting in question and this is a real painting here it is a real it painting exists and yeah. they know it's his or they think it's they his? think it's his they've done testing on it i don't want to go into great details because i'm not a scientist on it but uh this could be huge for the people who own it um it was it was locked up in a Swiss bank, um, in, in a vault, for quite some time. Um, it's it's clearly a copy. It, whether or not Da Vinci did it, or somebody else did it, so he could have potentially had the Mona Lisa painted and then painted that, look at, using that as his. Yeah, yeah. Guy. There's some belief that the Isleworth. <clears throat> Uh, Mona Lisa version is older. So it makes you wonder, uh, this didn't even come up in the discussion, but with you talking, made me think here real quick. Is it possible Da Vinci copied the Mona Lisa from somebody else? (laughs) You know? Right. I mean, uh, this poor unknown artist who painted it, Da Vinci said, I can do that. I can do that without brushstrokes. Yeah. And he was just known better. You know? So I'm not saying that famous artists don't steal from other artists. I mean. Borrow. Yeah, I mean, you, you should steal like an artist. I think it's a book. It is a book, actually. Um, but it, this is kind of interesting. It, it really made me think who were, and, and there is question of ownership. You know, who owns it? Hmm. You know, is it a Leonardo da Vinci or not? You know, and I think that really, really puts in perspective, like even for you as a musician, if you do a cover of somebody else's music, but you kind of make it your own. Do you own it? Or is it still a cover? No, it's always a cover. I think, uh, we did a cover on our first album and, you know, we made sure that we didn't, you know, it was, it's not available to, uh, to buy by itself or anything like that. We don't make money from that. Um, we, uh, it's a ACDC song. We made sure that, it was known who wrote it and, and we do our own thing with it. I mean, I do a freaking bass solo on it. It's not yeah. like, that's not like a big, big thing in ACDC's music, you know, yeah. but I mean, it's their song. We're just doing our own interpretation of it. Yeah. Um, Can you make money on it though? Are you, are you, well, you? I don't know. I guess, you I mean, know, you do I, if I, you play it live. I right? brought up walk off the earth and, and you know, they've kind of most of their YouTube monetization is all from, doing different cover versions and doing interesting things. So, yeah, I mean, I, it's a gray area. Yeah. I don't like the band tour, uh, from the Faroe islands. It's a, a folk metal band, mm-hmm. uh, typically puts, um, Nordic, Nordic folklore in their music. They, they did a cover of I from, uh, Dio and, it's probably the best version of I I've ever heard. Uh, in fact, listening to them back to back, 
I think I prefer their version over the original version. Mm. And it's probably more to do with production than anything else. But I, I don't know. I, I just, who owns it? You know, do, do we even own the art? We do. I'm getting deep here and this is probably devil's cut talking, but it, it's, you know, at some, at some level music wise, it's a performance. So if you're performing it, you own it at that moment. It's a fleeting moment. Right. Um, the songwriter owns it because they created the idea. Right. Um, or writers in, a, in the case of a band who puts something together together. Um, as a painter, uh, this is a tough one for me because I don't, I don't feel comfortable doing a painting that already exists to make it different or the same. I feel like that composition belongs to the painter, the artist. Um, this is why I don't really like working from other people's photographs. It bothers me a lot, uh, a lot more than you would think to just go on Google and look for images of something and say, I'm going to paint that. Uh, that makes total sense to me though. Um, I get that. I would rather go there and, and compose the shot. Even if I work from a photograph as reference for my own, I want to be the one taking the photo. I want to be the one composing that shot. I want to, I want to see it. I want to experience, I want to smell the air, so to speak while I'm there. And, uh, that, that kind of, I don't know. This is tough. If, if, uh, Anybody listening wants to chime in on that one? That's a good one. Well, I think when it comes down to it, it's you know that's this interesting because on the way out here, um, they played the uh, the original fast version of Diamonds and Rust on the priest, yeah, yeah, the priest did, and they were you know talking about you know of course being the uh, Joan Baez folk song, and it's just like two totally different songs, but you know at the end of the day it all sprung from her song and what she did and what everybody else does with it after. I mean, she owns those, you know, she owns the intellectual property of it, I think, and the, the lyrics and, um, you know, priest did something really cool with it. It's, it's like most of Dylan's songs that somebody else done. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. like all along the watchtower. Yeah. I mean, I, you I make a, know, yeah, I, you, you make a good argument. That's <laughs> Hendrix's song, right. what he did with it. But I mean, when it comes down to it, Hendrix wouldn't have had that without, yeah, you know, Dylan's vision. So, you know, this, this really harkens back to me on musicians that the performance is what you get. You know, when you, when you seek out a band or a musician, if you're not seeing their performances, you're really kind of robbing yourself of the full experience of who that band is or are, you know, you, you just, you just can't walk into a situation and go, oh, I love this song. I've heard it on the radio without understanding the context behind the performance. You know what right. I mean? Um, we're not all given the opportunity to sit in the studio and watch a band record. I love that process, actually. That's the one thing about uh, not playing music right now that really still gets me is that uh, I actually prefer the studio experience over the, the stage performance. Yeah. Uh, because it's such a creative moment, you know, it's such a opportunity. It's a, it's a snapshot in time. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And you're going to record it for everybody here from here on out. And 
that's where I think ownership really plays its part. I think your ownership comes from the moment you create. And it's not necessarily who came up with the idea. So my perspective on this is, and I wouldn't do this, but if I were to go paint the Mona Lisa today and try to make it look just like Da Vinci, yes, I own that because I created it. I made that specific painting for the purpose of painting the Mona Lisa. Did Da Vinci have a hand in it? Absolutely. Because it drove my abilities and my, my desire to make that painting. Does it mean I don't own it? No, it means that I still own part of it because it's my work. But can you sell that? Can you really sell that if you make it and it's just I, like I think that? ethically, you'd have to tell people it's a copy of something else. Uh, you know, just like you would in music. You know, you would put it out there to say, hey, I re- I, we recorded this, our version of this particular song. It was written by, you know, just like right. you do with credits. You know, uh, to call it your own would be wrong. You know, I think it'd be absolutely wrong for somebody to, to record an album or create a painting or whatever. It's not theirs, but isn't art collaborative at some degree? It is, but don't you have a, don't you, I, you have a say of who you're collaborating with. And if I put something out there and, and somebody does something else with it and I didn't okay that. Yes. I, I don't know. You yeah, know what that, I mean? That it's becomes like, a stealing issue. I don't have a problem with somebody playing one of my songs so being just a little minute artist that I am. Yeah. It's cool when I've heard, heard another band do one of my songs. I'm in, you know, I'm just a local yeah. musician. That's badass. Yeah, it is. But they're not, they're not putting it on album, passing it off as their own either. Right. So I, Yeah. You know. Yeah. And that I, happens. I right. Mean, there's, it happens in comedy. Um, I I have heard the same locally. I've heard the same bit from two different comedians. I won't say who because it, it's small community. Um, but I know that that particular comedian uh, got shit on pretty hard by everybody about using that particular joke, you know, and who's to say a lot of these bigger com- uh, comedians don't do the road, uh, do the road shows and hear a lesser known artist and go, yeah, it's a pretty good joke. I've heard of that happening a lot. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm interested in this old Da Vinci thing. I'm, let me ask you this though, yeah. I, or tell, or you know, we'll just put put this out there. I, I think, I think if you, if you decide you are going to do a copy of the Mona Lisa, we're going to use that as the example, and you're going to try to do it exactly as it is. I think that's got a, um, from an a, a academic standpoint, I, I think that's interesting. That's got merit because you're trying to recreate, recreate that and see what the steps are, mm-hmm. and that can push you as an artist. But I think as a pure creative outlet i think if if you are going to do the mona lisa but then the background is you know a volcano or or you know and there's and she's riding a unicorn uh, something (laughs) you know then i think that becomes more yours and the ownership is a lot more strong because you're putting you're put or you're making her a vampire or right you're you've decided to make her younger i just had a vision while you're talking about this i I, i'm totally interrupting you i know that go right ahead that's what we're doing here 
I'll turn your mind. What mic if off. I did a painting, a contemporary painting in realism, a representational of uh, two people standing in the Louvre looking at the Mona Lisa, and I painted the Mona Lisa in the painting? Right. That's totally, uh, to me, that's totally yours. That's a. I, yeah. It's not a copy of the Mona Lisa, even though the copy's in there. Right. It's kind of. Meta. And the scale's, <laughs> the scale's going to be different. It's yeah, not yeah, going to, yeah. it's totally different. Yeah. That's like using a line in a song and, and, you know, there's been a lot of, there's songs that, well, like in Smoke on the Water and they yeah. talk about seeing Zappa. There's yeah. ways to reference things without stealing them or, you know, stealing it in a bad way. Yeah. I mean, the world is full of kings and queens. They'll blind your eyes and steal your dreams, right? Right. right. Good stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> for those of you who know. Um, talk about getting enough sleep. We got we to yeah, transition nice. into this. Uh, last, I'm off for four days. Must be nice. Seems like every time we talk about stuff on this show, I'm, I'm going to have time off. Notice that? Yeah. Yeah, I gotta um, go. I, I gotta work. I gotta work those yeah, two days. Yeah, yeah. The the hurricane brought in some production issues, and uh, they made it optional for some of us if we want to be there. But uh, and I've got seniority in my department, so a lot of people would have to work before I actually say I want to work <laughs> or I have to work. But I started my weekend, and this also goes a lot with uh, the perfection thing. Um. Went to bed late Friday, Saturday morning, so to speak. It was probably around 7 a.m. Saturday morning I went to bed. And I was energized. I was like, you know what? I can get up when I want to. I'm going to mow the grass because I do that every Saturday. <laughs> uh, I'll have a drink because I like doing that. And then I'm going to come in the studio. And I'm going to do my blog post I do every weekend. And then I'm going to paint. But this all hinges on getting enough sleep. Right. And... Uh, I, after about four hours of sleep, somebody showed up at the house. The dog was going crazy and, and we live on a lane for those listening. We live on a lane off a major highway. And when people show up here unannounced, it's kind of creepy. It's like, what are they doing here? Why did they intentionally pull off into my lane? It's not like they made a wrong turn. They I had see to see a mailbox there though. That's yeah. The thing. <clears throat> and you know, we, we do have a lot of theft in this part. Of, of Ohio where people are stealing, you know, uh, LP tanks and, and things to make their meth, but copper to sell. Yeah. Slow yeah, down a little bit. Yeah. Tools to, to bargain with. And it frustrated me. I can't go back to sleep after that. It makes me crazy. And I did okay. I mowed the grass. I, I had a, a glass of bourbon and I came in here and I, I, uh, in the studio and I typed a, typed out the uh, the blog post for the weekend, the weekend blog post. And as luck would have it, I started getting worn out about six o'clock. I was like, hey, I don't, I don't want to make anything. And it really sapped me of the day. And then about nine o'clock in the evening, after sitting around staring at things all day and not really getting anything done, my wife said, are we, are we going to watch that movie? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's movie night. Yeah. Got to do that. And I started watching the movie and I had, I struggled through it. It was, it was a good movie. Uh, the Lincoln lawyer. I don't know if you ever heard of that. I've seen that a long time ago. Yeah. That is uh, a good movie. 2011 era yeah. movie. I liked it, but and that movie actually reminds me of someone that's interesting. Yeah. So it, 
it kind of played a part in my evening and, and, uh, midnight rolled around and 1230 and knowing that we're recording this today, I, I knew I had to get some rest, uh, which gave me insomnia because I do that a lot. I start looking at, Oh crap, I got, I got to come up with ideas for the show and I don't have that yet. And Paul's going to make an effort to come out of here and I'm going to be dumbfounded with what to talk about. So I struggled, went through the night. I was half asleep, you know, and then I started getting on this YouTube kick where everything that could make me procrastinate did. And I went down so many different rabbit holes and make a long story short, I went to bed at 5 a.m. And once again, some dumbass decides to drive up my lane this morning, <laughs> second day in a row. I'm, I'm like, what the hell? Why are we doing this? So today, before I even had a chance, my son, he's already down, down. He's pissed off too. Cause he goes to bed like at four in the morning too. He comes down the stairs out of his bedroom with his, uh, handgun. <laughs> and I was like, boy, put that down. I won't take it outside. No, 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 no. Yeah. Just leave it in here. Cause if that dude's got a gun, we don't need a gun fight. You know, uh, I don't know why they're here. He's sitting out there on his phone. The dog's going crazy. That's what wakes me up is the dog. And uh, I thought to myself, well, all right, I'll go out there all disheveled. I'll look like a cave. Because I do look like a caveman when I, you know, my hair's everywhere. I look like Nick Nolte the day he got arrested. <laughs> and I let the dog out. He's losing his mind. He's over there running around the thing. The guy's kind of panicking a little bit. And I go, what are you doing here? Just not even being nice about it. Just what are you doing here? And he goes, well, uh, I'm looking for an S10 I want to buy. And I was like, there's no S10 here, dumbass. Well, uh, uh, this is where I'm supposed to come. You know, I don't want to give my address away, but he gave me the address and said, this is where I'm supposed to show up. And I'm like, so somebody's selling a, a, a truck right now, the Craigslist and Facebook, all these other places, all these outlets have my address. Yeah. For fuck's sake. What the hell? <laughs> you know? So I send the guy up the road. I said, yeah, it's probably up there, you know, where people typically park their vehicles. So I'm, I'm going to, after this show's over, I'm going to uh, take a walk up there and hopefully the S 10s there with a phone number on it. I'm going to call and tell the guy, you know, look, get it right. Or I'm going to start sending people away, like literally away. You know, I got seven acres. There's a lot of room to bury bodies, you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh, my sleep, you know, it just got me all jacked up and I'm just, you know, I'm doing it again today. I've got nothing in me. So I, I made, I, some folks know I've kind of cut myself off of ca caffeine. Cause I think, you know, anything I'm using to stay awake probably isn't really helping me either. Uh, I think a, a glass of coffee or a cup of coffee for flavor and enjoyment is a good thing, but when you're using it as a crutch, right. it becomes a problem. So um, here we are. I'm tired. I know when this is over, I want to edit a little bit, but I know I'm not going to. It's going to be, oh, I'm so tired. I might go lay down. I might take a nap. I might go up there and, you know, look at an S10. Um, <laughs> might buy a truck. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, and I need to paint. So... What does sleep do for you as a, as a creative? Does it wow. really set you off? Does it, does it add to that problem of, perf of perfection? Does it really, does it screw you up your day? Yeah. What we talk about at the start of this podcast, it messes up your vibe. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. it takes you to clear out of your vibe. But now I think, I think like lack of sleep at the end when you're in a creative zone, I think sometimes that can help. It's almost like drugs. 
if you know where, where drugs is a uh, creative lubricant for some people, yeah. um, you know, being tired, lack of sleep when you're when you've started when you've started a project and you're not tired and you get tired in the middle of the project, sometimes that sweet spot that can help bring out your subconscious a little bit. Yeah, I think it can help. But I think when you start from a tired position, I think that's just one more obstacle you're fighting the whole time yes. while you're trying to. Yes, I I gotta have I gotta have six or seven hours at least, or I'm worthless. And I, I prefer to have eight, but if if I don't at least get that, I can't function. Now there's a lot of people that can function on two or three hours, and they're just zippity zip zip. But I am not that man. So, well, there there is an article. Um, the source is uh, University of Haifa. I don't know where that sounds is. like a made up thing. It does. Uh, the summary for this particular it, the the. Uh, reading science, sciencedaily.com is where I got this information. Uh, it was published uh, January 26th, 2017. The title is Creative People Sleep More, Later, and Less Well. And I, I think that's that's common. Yeah. I think I think a lot of us do sleep more. We it's not a depression thing. It's a I want rest. And I don't maybe it's an energy deal. Maybe we, maybe creative work saps us of our energy. I don't know. Well, I think you're always on though too. It's not like, yeah. If, if you go to the store to make boots, you go to the store, you or you know, you go to your shop, you make boots, mm -hmm. and you go on. But when you're, when you're, when you're an artist, you're always thinking about yeah. art. And it's even if you're, you know, I don't care if you're painting cars or if you're a, a even a car restorer or something like that. The art that goes into that, people like that are always thinking about that. Yeah. Anything they it see consumes you. Yes. And even when you're not thinking about it, you're thinking about it. Yeah. So, hmm. I think that's just inherent, inherent, inherently part of the. It's just part of the the package. And you know? and that doesn't mean an artist is lazy by sleeping in either. No, I, I think they need to rest. We generally, it's a common fact that artists sleep later in the day, uh, and they sleep less well, according to this the ScienceNewsDaily.com. ScienceDaily.com show uh, report whatever I can't talk, dude. I see what happens. Having I some trouble. I can't. I can't focus. Um, it goes on to talk about you know the sleep quality is really bad and 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 I do I wake up a lot. Yeah. My wife doesn't understand that you know when I commit to bedtime, it I have to force it. I literally do. I have to say. In fact, I've got a. On my phone, I have a 30-minute reminder to get in bed. I, I hate that. I hate the fact that I've got to remind myself to get in bed. Otherwise, my day's shot. And both of us work evenings for our regular jobs. So you know as well as I do, if you don't get up on time, you have no day. Right, yeah. You've essentially given your entire life away to your job. And that that's not to say you can't come home and work. But if you get into that evil cycle of and I'm calling it an evil cycle because it really is. If you come home from work at midnight and you eat something cuz you know, we do, and you watch a little TV because we do, and then you go into the studio and make art, next thing you know, oh fuck, it's daylight. <laughs> you know, right. I got to go to bed. I got to be at work in a couple hours. You're only getting up to go to work. You might as well have a day shift job. Right? So the benefits of being on evenings really just kind of goes away. And 
this is a struggle that I have a lot. Uh, being a nerd, I know how many weeks I have until I'm 65. <laughs> I know how many weeks I have until I'm 55. You know, and I have I have a couple. I have a 55 retirement plan. I have a 62 retirement plan. I have a 65 retirement plan. And as an artist, I have a fuck this. I'm going to make art plan. You know, <laughs> that'll probably never happen. But as I look at these, I know how many weeks I have, how many days. And looking back, I can say, this is my quality of sleep. This is my uh, history of what my days off are like. Do I really need to quit? Do I need to actually do this as an artist? And I, I hear so many creatives who are doing things professionally say, dude, you got it made. You can make whatever you want, not depend on the money. Right. And that, that doesn't work for me. It's like, well, I want to depend on the money. I want to depend on my art to make my money. Um, I love having good health insurance where we're at. Uh, all these things really come up, you know, my, my savings investment plan, the, the, the company, uh, retirement benefit, you know, all these things really play a big part in it. Yes. But there's also a part of me that says, I want to make $150,000 a year in revenue as an artist so that I can put 35 to 45, $48,000 a year in my pocket as a side hustle. That's a lot of money for a side hustle. Right. And people might ask, well, what are you going to do with all that money? I'm going to invest it so I can retire earlier. And Cocaine and strippers. I don't know right, what you're talking about. Right? And, and you start looking at this and you go, okay, Mike, you're getting, you're getting older. That perfection thing comes into play. And all this stuff starts to really kind of get in there and make you think to yourself, why am I doing this? Why am I putting myself through all this? I'm turning into an old man because of all this. And that's a lot of times where my um, motivation goes away and my muse just kind of disappears and I get into one of those slumps. And that honestly, right. I, like I say, I'm a nerd about this kind of stuff. I, I, I research it. I understand it. I write things down. I go back and look at it again. I learn from it. I try to continually improve on it. Um, I'm probably the only person on the planet that is this anal about wondering why I can't or can do what I do. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it all hinges on sleep for me and knowing that I can't sleep well and that I am an insomniac and that people show up to buy an S10, you know, they, they're clueless to what they've just, you know, I'm not curing cancer. I know that. Right. But I have the potential to be the next Da Vinci. 500 years from now, people go, wonder why you had these big laps of time. Well, that's because uh, somebody was looking for an S10 and, <laughs> you know, woke him up in the middle of the night. Right. You know, yes, it was 9 a.m., but it was in the middle of the night, you know. Right. <laughs> so, I don't know. Yeah, I had to put a sign up on my door that said, do not knock on this door before 11 a.m. Did you really? Yeah, because I had, like, different different people or people trying to sell stuff or, uh, or, uh, so we don't know. get that out of here. We don't, people show up out. I've yet to see a Jehovah witness show up out of here. I'd love that. I'd invite him in. I, we used to do it. Well, in yeah. Town. We can have good talks. Yeah. It's I been mean, a long time since I had to do that, but it's like, uh, man, it's, it's, I need, I'm trying to sleep. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that was the other thing. And I know you see me pouring another one. It's like, how long is this show going to go? Um, I came home from work the other night 
and I started pouring this. And, and my just some background, my son, being the the creative child he is, he's he's in his twenties now. But uh, back in the day, he was known to water down my booze, so I wouldn't notice what was <laughs> going. I come home from work after a really rough Thursday evening. Thursdays at at my work are the the most difficult days. My body was hurting. Uh, I was feeling it. I didn't really want to do anything. I, would, I just I was starting to get frustrated. The week, I'm, I'm glad we only work five days because if we work six days a week, I'd probably kill somebody every yeah, Saturday. I hear you. And uh, <clears throat> I came home, and started drinking, and I was like, "Well, the, I'll get, I'll play with my my light." I, I ordered this. I know I'm telling stories just off the cuff here, but uh, I ordered this little adapter that uh, allows me to use a palsy buff. Uh, Alien Bees style um, softbox. You've, oh, really? you've you've seen me use it with photography. Yeah. I have a bunch of Alien Bee lights, and this I love this softbox because it's like an umbrella. You basically pop it out, and it's you know you don't have to fiddle fart with the 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 different rods and and speed rings and all this normal stuff that you would have to do. So I was like, man, I really wish I could have that for my aperture light that I use for video. That would make my life so much easier. And I got online, and the company's called As Is, which is just killer. Because I was thinking, I'm, I'm probably buying this really bad knockoff. It's going to be a piece <laughs> of shit. I'm going to try it anyway. It's only eight bucks. So I bought this adapter plate that goes in that light. So basically, on the Paul C. Buff speed ring, um, I know this may be uh, too much jargon for some people, but I can unscrew four little thumb screws, pull this center section out, and put the Bowens mount inside of it and tighten it back down. It's so easy. It's so much easier than putting together a speed light and another softbox and buying another softbox because everybody buys these aperture softboxes for like, you know, $150, $250, depending on what you get. I was like, I don't want to spend that kind of money. I want to spend eight bucks. I've got all these light modifiers. Why can't I use them? You know? So I did. And I, uh, I have a really, really good setup now where I can, it's not on now, but, uh, this, this particular, um, we're Paul and I are looking at the sky at the ceiling in my room right now, but there, I have an aperture one twenty D, uh, the, the first design, not the Mark two, um, led light. And the idea is I really want to get back to making videos and I need to make a system where I can do this quickly. And the adapter it, the uh, softbox is kept in my closet there, mm -hmm. but basically I can, I can put that light down on me, take that little barn door thing off of it, put this big softbox on me and it's great light for eight bucks. I don't remember where I'm going with this conversation, but the fact is I come home and start playing with it. And as I was doing that, I was pouring more alcohol <laughs> out of this decanter. Cause it's just so easy. It's right there, you know? And I was thinking to myself, I think you watered this down enough. I'm not feeling any of this, you know, but I was really in the zone. I was like, man, this is fun playing with this light, testing some new uh, video settings on the camera. I'd, I'd drop it in DaVinci Resolve, play with it for a little bit. I'd drop it in Premiere Pro and and play with it. And I'd do more testing. And it was so fast and, and efficient that I finally reached that productivity goal like we do at work. 
where it's like, oh, I can nail this out in this amount of time. I can do this. I can do that. I can have seven videos a week. Right. No, <laughs> you know, slow down. Yeah. You know, you're drunk. <laughs> I've had half a bottle of booze. <laughs> and then it hit me. It really did. It hit me all at once. Like, wow, that, I don't think that was watered down. <laughs> I think I was just in the zone. So, yeah, I, I know I'm rambling here, but the point of that is I did just get started. I come in the studio. I had a bad week. I didn't, I wasn't nearly as productive as I wanted to be all week. Thursday rolled in. It was uh, Friday morning, technically, you know, uh, 3 a.m. Friday morning. And I'm just, right. just hammering it out, knowing that the weekend's coming. And again, Saturday, I was so amped that I've got, I don't have to go to work and all this stuff. And the guy shows up outside, you know, and, the wife is like, it's a red truck. I don't know why it's here. I don't know who that is. You know, and of course I'm turning into, you know, Braveheart trying to save my woman. Um, paint my face blue and running outside with a sword. And then it happens again today. I'm like, is this going to ever stop? You know, we, we got plans this week, you know, Monday I'm off Tuesday. I'm off. I'd like to go to the zoo. So it, this just all seemed like the right conversation for today's blog post or uh, podcast. See there, I can't even think. Um, so yeah, I think we pretty much beat a dead horse on this. You're, I hope, you're, I, going, you're going to go to the zoo? I, I'm hoping to, yeah. I want to go to Renfest next weekend, maybe. If I can oh, that's in. a good idea. Is it going on right now? I guess. I thought it didn't start till October, but... Uh, I didn't we, either. They, they, I know it was open last weekend because Kyra, or she works it every year. So oh, she was It's the, the Renaissance Festival over in Waynesville. Is that right? Uh, Caesar Creek, Waynesville, yeah. whatever that is. Yeah. Over that way. Yeah. Yeah. I ain't been in a couple of years. Talk about a, a land of creativity, man. It's uh it's inspiring to see the things that people make and and the that acting and the different things that goes on. It's it's really cool. Well, maybe I'll drag the old lady down to that Monday. Well, I think that's just a weekend thing. Oh, is it? Yeah. Well crap. That's just Saturday, Sunday thing, I'm pretty sure. All right. Well, blows that out of the water. Yeah. That's what you get for. That's what you get for having the day off. Yeah. Speaking of the day off, you know what really makes me happy, and I'm going to turn into an evil man here for a minute. Yes. Watching my son go to work. I know. I just <laughs> he just he's leaving right now. I'm thinking, ah, <laughs> I'm such a mean dad. Hey, I so. wish my daughter to get a job. I'm getting ready to go pick her up <laughs> as we speak. So, well, he was he was told it was. Uh, he's a good kid, really. He is, but he's he's had his uh, his moments. <laughs> So. You think about this, and it's like, like these. You know, I know whoever's listening to this. Of course, they have these these same things. They got love problems and family problems and kid problems and parent mm -hmm. problems mm -hmm. and everything. And you know, I, I think about you know artists that that I grew up listening to, or or you think about fine art painters or or whatnot. You know, you you wonder what kind of what kind of stuff got in the way of da vinci yeah, or yeah, rembrandt or absolutely or any of these guys and it's uh you know we're all humans and no matter what level you are you're dealing with the same things absolutely as everybody yeah you so. put a little bit of air into this and you realize that at the at the core of all of it we have lives and you're not defined by what you do you're defined by how you handle the situations around you and yes, I might be called an artist. 
I identify as an artist, even though I work evenings at something else. And that's where the majority of my money comes from. I don't look at you as Paul, the guy at work that does this. I look at you as my creative friend. Right. And, um, how history remembers us is kind of where we want this to go. I think as creatives who are alive, because we don't know, we don't know if people are going to find our paintings. We don't know if people are going to continue to listen to our music or look at our creations or, or whatever. But this sounds like a really good place to end this show. You know, you, yes, you've got to get good sleep. You know, you've got to work around your problems with sleep. Um, don't be afraid to steal like an artist, you know, Austin, Austin Kleon is the art is the author of that book for anybody who wants to read it. Um, you got to bring your own stuff into it, you know, and I can sit here and talk about perfection and where you want to be. And, and I want people to look at me directly. If you're a painter and you're thinking, I, I can't do this. I got a job. I got a family. You know, I've been doing this for 30 years as a professional painter and I got sidetracked by photography for a while. And that's actually how I met Paul. Um, he was doing my tasteful nudes. Yeah. <laughs> Bearskin rug, yeah. you know, a little bit of heavy metal. I would like to, I would like to recreate that Burt Reynolds uh, picture. You know, that famous. Not me. Oh, come on, man. That'd be fun. We'd have a blast on that. We could run it live and do the podcast. On. Yeah, right. Right. And uh, see, there we go. We're copying something, but yeah, we're making yeah, it ours. Yeah, yeah, making it ours, yeah. Oh, man, I, let's do it's that. A, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not drunk enough. There's not enough booze in that bottle. Uh, we'll we'll um, work something out. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fun or no. Uh, <laughs> I just got a vision of it. It's not, not good. I just It's like a bad taste in my mouth all of a sudden. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Hold on a second. <laughs> But no, no, seriously, it's, uh, you know, your evolution as, as a creative is a culmination of the crap you put up with in your daily life, the happiness you put up in your, in your daily life, and all the things that you do in your daily life has brought you to where you are as an artist. And, and I really hope anybody listening who wants to be a professional artist or whatever, I, I want you to realize that at some level you have to identify with what you want to be and stop thinking about what society thinks you are. Uh, I refuse to call myself an employee of this. This is a career, yes, but my life my vocation, the thing that I'm going to be remembered at when I get put into the ground or uh, the urn or wherever it is I go when I'm, when I'm dead, I'm an artist. And I'm hoping that 500 years from now, somebody writes this down and goes, that dude had a real job. <laughs> right. But I was also a real artist, you know, and that's, that's kind of the goal. So I don't know. Any final thoughts? I'm just sitting here wondering, you know, maybe uh, Van Gogh cut his ear off because somebody next door to him woke him up. and he went, <laughs> uh, Maybe. <laughs> the voice is in my head. No, it's the fucking neighbor. <laughs> yeah. Can't get enough sleep to finish his painting. He's like, hell with it. 
<laughs> Starry night was because he, he kept getting up drunk. <laughs> Would you please let me sleep? I don't know. <laughs> uh, okay. Are you still listening? I like, right. I like to ask this question. Are you still listening? They're out there somewhere. Leave us a comment. I want to know that you listen to the end. If you are somebody listening to the show right now and you've, you've listened all this time, the secret number is three. So that's what we want. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. The secret number is three. Paul said it. If, uh, if you comment on iTunes, very specifically, I know we're on Google Play and some other different things, but if you go to iTunes and leave us a comment and put three in your comment, I will send you a print. The first person that responds, I will send you a limited edition print of Birches on Grandpa's Farm. It's one of my favorite paintings, and I'm committing to this. So if you do it, the first person that does it, not all of you, but the first one that does it, will get a, a print sent to them directly. Let me know you did the comment. Send me an email at the studio at michaelworth.com to tell me you left a comment so I can go verify the comment and I will work with you on getting getting you the the, the print. I'm not going to frame it because <laughs> that's you know very subjective too and it costs me a lot of money. Uh, but I will send you one that you can frame yourself and it will be signed and numbered. So and that's awesome. And you might even get a, a, a download code for a free copy of one of the MG Flash CDs. Ooh, nice. Maybe we'll see. Nice, nice. I would love to see a comment. So, Paul, that's all I got today. Number three, baby. All righty. Have a good one. See you guys. Later.